This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Burgomeister, home of everyone's favorite hamburger mascot and elected leader, the Burgermaster. Come on into Burgomeister now. The village is already prepared. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are, which is very befitting in this. Our next double feature episode. The late night double feature picture show. With 1931's Frankenstein, the universal classic, and a sort of remake reimagining from 2015, also called Frankenstein. Getting into our first movie, 1931's Frankenstein. Directed by James Whale from the novel by Mary Shelley, who is here credited as Mrs. Percy B. Shelley, which, wow, adapted from the play by Peggy Webling, based on the composition by John L. Balderston, a screenplay by Garrett Fort and Francis Edward Farrago, or Farrago, with a credited scenario editor of Richard Shear and uncredited contributions by Robert Flory and John Russell. I think that is our longest list of writing credits that we've had on any movie in this show. It stars Colin Clive, Mae Clark, and Boris Karloff. I will say that Bella Lugosi originally recorded something in 31 when he did Dracula. Uh, sort of like a screen test sort of thing to prove, like a proof of concept for the movie, but then dropped out because what they were going to make wasn't what they were originally planning on making. Boris Karloff got the role. Boris Karloff had been in a lot of movies, but as, you know, like characters with titles and not names, you know, things. he was basically like an extra or a um, supporting character or whatever. He was never a main actor, really, until this movie. So Bella Lugosi dropping out is what made Boris Karloff a name, basically. Yes, and the most famous interpretation of Frankenstein's monster ever. Right. Lon Chaney Jr. would play him in Ghost of Frankenstein in 1942, and then Bella Lugosi would finally get his chance to play Frankenstein in Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, a year later. Wait, do you mean he played Frankenstein the doctor or the monster? Oh, we'll get to that in a second. Okay. He plays Frankenstein the monster in Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, which by the title should tell you people just call the fucking monster Frankenstein. It's in the title of the fucking movie. Frankenstein the monster meets the Wolfman, where the Wolfman was played by, of course... Lon Chaney Jr. <laughs> uh, Lugosi was also Igor in 1939's Son of Frankenstein and... Which is interesting because his name is Fritz in this movie. Yeah. And Ghost of Frankenstein, the movie where Lon Chaney Jr. played Frankenstein. So it's this weird sort of The monster swirl. Yeah, yes. Oh my God. Can, okay, let's talk about this. I'm getting it over with right now. 
fuck everyone who corrects people and says, I think you mean Frankenstein's monster and Frankenstein is the doctor. Actually, go fuck yourself. He never was a doctor. You're wrong, you pedantic piece of shit. We will likely slip into calling the monster Frankenstein and the scientists probably refer to him as Dr. Frankenstein or by his first name. Being an English teacher and having taught Frankenstein, uh-huh. no, I am not going to call him Frankenstein because he is, in fact, the monster. I will do my best, but we know the monster is just called the monster. And we also or know... Adam. He's not in this. <laughs> and we also know... That Victor Frankenstein is not a doctor. Oh, wait, his name's not even fucking Victor in this. In this version, his name is... Henry. Henry. Yes, okay. Because (laughs) in the original story, Victor Frankenstein's friend is Henry Clerval. And they (laughs) swapped the names because they thought Victor was too harsh. I think Victor is a much cooler name It's a great name, but they thought it would be too severe for American audiences. And so they swapped them around. So the naming conventions in this entire series, I say series, but I guess franchise is probably the better term, even though they're not all universal movies. Anyway, even the movies give up on Dr. Frankenstein or scientist Frankenstein, Victor Frankenstein. No, wait, Henry Frankenstein. No, they just fucking give up on all of that. And every single time there's ghost of Frankenstein, son of Frankenstein, bride of Frankenstein, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. I think it's pretty fucking clearly established that Frankenstein refers to the monster. And if you wanted to talk about the man, you would call him by his name. If you just say Frankenstein, with no honorific, or no title, or no first name, then you're talking about the monster. And Kelsey, I'm sorry, but everyone fucking knows that. Nobody's confused. If anything, all this fucking name swapping is making it confusing, because even if you call them by what they're supposed to be called, it's not what they were originally called, or it's not what they were called later, so even that doesn't fucking work. So, like, ah, just please nobody... Tweet at us or send us an email saying, um, eh, um, actually, I think what you mean is such and such. <laughs> anyway, now that that's out of the way, Kelsey, can you tell us what Frankenstein's about? A dropout student who was trying to become a medical doctor. He was being hampered by the school. Is doing experiments to create life. From dead things. So I think the idea is that he's trying to make it so that we don't have to die. He's like prolonging life or whatever, but that's not what he does. He takes a bunch of dead body parts and puts them together to create his own creation. Well, it's proof of concept at this point. (laughs) You have to prove you can do it with whatever means you, you need to, and then you adapt from there to apply it to real-world scenarios. See, now people are going to be like, I thought you said you taught this. Okay, I've read it, and it's been taught to me, but that was, like, 15 years ago. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I have taught it, but I've only taught certain portions of the story because uh-huh. I, I have younger – I was teaching younger kids when I did it, so uh-huh. I didn't teach the whole thing. So I don't remember a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway – He has created life, and it's, you know, it's the story of should man play God? 
And the answer is always no. Well, hey, if it wasn't for Prometheus, we wouldn't have fire. That's what this is called. It's called the modern Prometheus. Prometheus stole fire from the gods to give it to man. Right. And it's also about, you know, the responsibility of life. The fact that you can't turn your back on what, like, you know, on someone just because they aren't what society deems good. It feels like Frankenstein is is almost like a good argument for reconciling the existence of God and free will. Because I think the lesson that Doctor, we'll just call him Doctor even though we know he's not a doctor, Dr. Frankenstein uh, learns from all this is that, yes, he is a god and has created life, but that doesn't give him dominion over it in such a way that he just gets to control it, do whatever he wants with it. Once he has created it, it's his moral obligation to let it continue existing. It's also his moral obligation to protect other people, yes. But, But my point is, oh, you've created life. You know, just like AI. At what point is AI just life? Uh, and you would be murdering it to destroy it. You know, so the interesting moral arguments, not really going to get too deep in those here. Uh, but it's a classic story. And it varies pretty wildly from the original book, uh, which has three different narrators or narrative devices. It's this uh, fisherman or whatever, sailor or whatever who talks to both Frankenstein the monster and Frankenstein the man, and then they all tell their own stories. Yeah, and, and then- the part that really resonated with me when I read it was, of course, the monster's perspective. Yes. That's the one that I think means the most to the story, and the truth is that the- I think that Frankenstein is a very feminist work, and I don't think she intended it to be. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, it is just very much... We don't need men, is really what this comes down to. <laughs> Women can create life, and we take responsibility for the life that we create. And men are like, what if we could do it? And it's like, no. If you do it, bad things would happen. <laughs> uh, and then ultimately, Dr. Frankenstein dies of like hypothermia before he ever actually reaches his monster, and the monster lives on. So it's a completely different version of the story than what we actually get in the movie. I think they're two very distinct things. The original book is public domain, so anybody can make anything about the characters in the book. However, the version of Frankenstein that we all know is still under copyright for a little bit longer. Universal holds that copyright. And we'll get specifically into what they actually own when we see Frankenstein's monster or Frankenstein for the first time. Yeah, because I was going to say, it can't be the likeness because you can see that likeness everywhere. It's the likeness, but it's specific elements of the likeness. The bolts, the... Uh, we'll talk about it when we see him for the first time. You can watch the movie with a subscription to DirecTV Classics with an X, TCM or Spectrum On Demand. You can rent it for $4 or buy it for 9 to $15. It is cheapest on Amazon. Should people watch 1931's Frankenstein? Yeah, I think that everybody... Yeah? <laughs> I think that everybody should see it. Yes. It's a classic. It's good. It's not great, but it's, it's good. It's minimal commitment. And, and it's important to the history of horror. I would say it is surprisingly well-directed 
for a movie in 1931. There are some incredible moments and some really great shots. So whoever the director of photography is on that, I didn't look him up, also did a great job. But yeah, I mean, come on. I had never seen this movie until now. I had never seen it in its entirety, no. So I'm recommending, yes, you you should, having seen it now, I'm glad that I finally have seen it. You know, because it's it, it's filling in the gaps, you know. I have this gigantic backlog. We watch so many horror movies, and there are some glaring gaps in in our knowledge. And this is this was one of them. Uh, so I'm glad to have finally seen it. And I think everyone else should, too. You can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 1931's Frankenstein. Oh, it's alive. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. When this dead hand moves, the monster created by a man they called Mad is turned loose to strike terror into the hearts of men, to shock women into uncontrolled hysteria, to prey upon the innocence of children. This is the story you've heard about talked about the spine-tingling, blood-chilling story that stuns your emotions, Frankenstein. Don't touch that! All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does Frankenstein begin? With a guy walking out on a stage and telling us that we're going to be horrified by what we see? This is Dr. Waldman actor Edward Van Sloan, who comes out as himself, not his character. To tell you, hey, oh, this might shock you. I think it will thrill you. It may shock you. It might even horrify you. So if any of you feel that you do not care to subject your nerves to such a strain, now is your chance to, uh, well, we've warned you. It feels very much like... Treehouse of Horror. Yes. When Marge comes out and says, listen, if you're going to be sensitive to some weird shit, (laughs) put your kids to bed instead of wasting time writing us a letter. (laughs) Tonight's show, which I totally wash my hands of, is really scary. So if you have sensitive children, maybe you should tuck them into bed early tonight instead of writing us angry letters tomorrow. Thanks for your attention. And then we get the credits where the monster is played by... Question mark. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why they thought that that mattered. It seems like a really silly thing to do. I think they wanted to give you the impression that, oh, is is he actually... Did we really create a monster? They didn't want you thinking this is a person under the makeup before the movie even started. Another case for credits at the end. Of course... That's kind of shitty because nobody sits around for the credits unless you have a stinger at the end. So we have Victor Frankenstein, like I said, a dropped out medical student. huh? Henry Frankenstein. Henry Frankenstein, sorry. See? (laughs) Just call him Dr. Frankenstein. And his assistant named Fritz, who does have the hunchback. Uh, and but he is not at all weird or talk he's a weird. weird. <laughs> not well, not really. He's perfectly capable. Well, he's he not can, like yes, master. Yeah, exactly. Not that kind of thing. He doesn't have a big eye. He doesn't talk funny. He he's not crazy. This he's is just however, an assistant. This is however the origin of what we know as 
Igor. Yes. Uh, this this character's though, uh, Fritz was not in the original novel, but was in stage versions of uh, of the story. Uh, like I said, Bella Lugosi played this character in Son of Frankenstein and Ghost of Frankenstein. But when he's Igor in those cases, he's not a hunchback. He's a blacksmith. The assistant to the mad scientist who's a hunchback and all of that really comes from House of Frankenstein way, way, way later with a different character called Daniel. <laughs> so basically, Henry mistreats Fritz. He talks down to him, makes him do the more dangerous and scary stuff, even though he constantly tells him it's not scary or dangerous, but he's not willing to do it. I think that that's character building for why he ends up treating the monster the way that he does, because he has been, probably because of his hunchback, has been looked looked down upon his entire life. So now he finally has someone that he can look down upon and mistreat and abuse. Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Dr. Frankenstein's mental status at this point, we will find out, is very uncharacteristic for the person. And he needs to snap out of it, which he does shortly into the movie. But right now, he's very manic. He's very mad scientist-y. Yeah, he's been driven mad by this need to create life. And I always took it more as, like, you know, he's this up-and-coming genius, and he wants to prove himself, and he has to go further than anyone ever has ever gone before. It's that typical story. Right. And then they go too far. Oh, uh, the, the medical ethics are keeping me from really, really showing what I can do and what I'm capable of and getting to where I aspire to get. And then they find out the hard way that those ethics exist for a reason. Yeah. I think that Reanimator does a really good job with that. Totally. Yeah. Uh, he has a great line here as they're pulling the casket out of a grave. He's just resting, waiting for a new life to come. Yeah, I don't like that this version doesn't give any reason as to why they need different body parts from different bodies. I think it's pretty well implied. The idea is that they need to have a complete body's worth of good parts, and not every body they get is good. Like, somebody buried is going to be dead longer. And so some of their body parts won't be as fresh or useful. As a matter of fact, the next person that come along is a hanged man who was still hanging there. So he was probably just recently hanged. But the brain's no good anymore. So they'll still need to get a different brain. He's just going around and getting body parts to create the, the perfect man. But so Fritz is sent to steal this brain. And just like in Young Frankenstein, he... I can't believe how accurate that was to this version of the story <laughs> where he grabs the real brain, it breaks, and then he has to get the Abby normal one. <laughs> yes, it's exactly what happens in Young Frankenstein. Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. Are you saying that I put an abnormal brain into a seven and a half foot long, 54 inch white gorilla? What? Is that what you're telling me? I heard tell that the skeleton that he bumps into when he drops the normal brain was a real skeleton. 
It's very similar to Poltergeist. It was just easier to get their hands on a real medical skeleton than have one created. We then get to meet his fiance, Henry's fiance, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, who is freaking out because she doesn't know what is up with her fiance. It's been months since she's talked to him. Yeah, and she's just like, he wrote me a letter saying that his work must come first. He's been doubting his own sanity. And then after she says that, he doubts his own sanity. There was a strange look in his eye. It's like, if he's telling you he doesn't think he's sane, I would imagine there would be a strange look in his eye. Who's she talking to, Kels? Henry's best friend, Victor, who apparently has the hots for Elizabeth. You know, I I didn't get that. I assumed that was going to happen. But there's no hint that he wants to, like, weasel in on this relationship. Oh, yes, there is. Because they are talking and she says something like, oh, I'm so fond of you, Victor. Victor, you're a dear. You know I'd go to the ends of the earth for you. I shouldn't like that. I'm far too fond of you. I wish you were. But so he tells her, you got to stay here. I'll go check up on Henry. Uh She's like, I'm coming with you. And he's like, no, you're not coming with me. She's like, I must. The way she says it is super (laughs) dramatic. I'm coming with you. But Elizabeth, you can't do that. I must. I'll be ready in a minute. Who do they go talk to? His dad. Yeah, you don't even know it's his dad for a while. Because he doesn't introduce himself as Baron Frankenstein or say my son in this first scene at all. Or at least not that I saw. I thought it's not until later he was talking to her about the fact that there's like he must have left because he has another woman. And he's like, Elizabeth, don't you worry. I'm going to get him back for you. Yes. No, totally. That all happened. But there's no indication of like, is he her dad? I wasn't sure. Having never seen this, I was like. Oh, he's really upset at this young man and in shock that he would hurt Elizabeth. I'm like, oh, sounds like Elizabeth's dad. But no, it's it's Henry's dad. But so they go to find Henry. And they do. And they're just like, you're inhuman. You're crazy. And he's like, you'll see if I'm crazy or not. This is so interesting. I had no idea this scene happened with an audience. Oh, they also talked to Dr. Waldman, the guy who ran the school. Oh, yes. And so he comes with them, right? So, like, they talk to him, and, and he he's there with the two of them. And he says, when he's about to, you know, turn all this on, this is kind of shitty because he refers to Fritz, or he rather he doesn't refer to Fritz. He says, Quite a good scene, isn't it? One man crazy. Three very sane spectators. What about Fritz? That's what I'm saying. He mistreats Fritz, which is why Fritz mistreats the monster. I think that's an interesting... Like, we don't see him be a dick to Fritz. He doesn't whip him. Right, but he's constantly talking down to him. He just more... He more ignores him. He more treats him as just a person to do his bidding, but he doesn't, like laugh with his misfortune or call him hideous or anything like that. He just, yeah, but I you're think my that, assistant, do the thing. I think it's implied that the reason he gets to treat him the way he does is because of the way he looks. And it's the famous scene that everybody knows. Oh, yeah. With the famous thunder sound effects. Yes, and the body strapped to the table that gets lifted up into the air with the giant electrodes. 
and then it comes down, and then you have the famous, it's alive, it's alive. It's alive. And then the line Weird that was originally. science. <laughs> yeah. That's what I think uh, of. I don't blame you. Uh, he also has a line that was originally cut out after its first airing because it was deemed too controversial. And then added back in, along with a couple of other scenes in the 80s. This is one of them. Uh, now I know what it's like to be God. Which is kind of like the whole point around creating life. And like you say, there's a feminist tint to it uh, about creating life, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just interesting that they was like, take it out. <laughs> we don't want it. It's too controversial. And then brought it back later. It's such a good line. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's bad that they would take it out. But I understand why they did. Mm-hmm. But so the father of Frankenstein. The Baron, yeah. He's very, very upset about, you know, the whole village is expecting this. Everyone is waiting for this wedding to take place. And his bride is just like, you know, what about his his work? He's just like, stuff and nonsense, stuff and nonsense. <laughs> he is convinced there is another woman and he is going to bring his son back. Yep. We also hear from the Burgomaster with no explanation as to what a Burgomaster is. It is, in fact, a mayor of a Dutch, Flemish, German, Austrian, or Swiss town. It's just the mayor. Well, that's why they throw that word around. They figured everybody fig- understood it's just the mayor. Uh-huh. That's why they call him Burgomaster. <laughs> but we're not Dutch. It's like Berg is in, like, like a town. A Berg. He's Burg- a Burgomaster. <laughs> not a Burgermaster. Meanwhile, back at the... Castle. Castle mill... It's really a mill. Well, there's a mill elsewhere. The mill is up here on this on this mountain or hill or whatever. This is like a watchtower castle. It was intended to be a place where people could see from up on high if there are any military forces coming in like the Middle Ages. I That's see. what it's about. I see. Well, he finds out that Fritz fucked up and got the criminal brain. But he he finds it out through Waldman because Waldman and him are just having a chat. (laughs) They're just casually discussing the fact that he created life and stole the brain from Waldman. And Waldman's like, "Um, you didn't get a normal brain. You got an abnormal brain. And he's like, oh, shit. (laughs) But he shrugs it off and says, it's just dead tissue. It doesn't matter. I thought it was really important. Yeah, I thought it was very important. Here we have a fiend whose brain whose brain must be given time to develop. It's a perfectly good brain, Doctor. Well, you ought to know. It came from your own laboratory. The brain that was stolen from my laboratory was a criminal brain. Oh, well, after all, it's only a piece of dead tissue. And then the monster just sort of wanders into the room. He's just been allowed to wander around this entire time. And they're like, oh, look, here he comes. (laughs) This is casual chat. (laughs) And we see the monster for the first time. Now, this is separately 
copywritten. The makeup and everything is separately copywritten because it's not the monster described in Mary Shelley's book, who is actually a little bit more human. Jack P. Pierce, who did all this makeup and everything, is responsible for creating what we know as Frankenstein. When you mention Frankenstein, this is the first image that pops into most people's brains. And a lot of people would kind of crib from this. Uh, But, in fact, Universal owns the copyright for another five years or so. That's when it will enter the public domain, assuming no changes to copyright law between now and then, Disney. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yes, it's licensed out to other things by Universal's uh, licensing company that deals with all of that. They have an internal licensing company that handles all that. So I'm sure they make a lot of money just licensing out this version of Frankenstein. Okay, so... People can pay them and use it. Okay, because I was going to say, like, no, we've seen it many, many times. It looks exactly the same. But we know specifically what they take objection to if people copy it because there was a dude who was working on, like, a coffee table, like, poster book, creating his own art, I think, uh, these posters for classic films and other such things. And they sent him a cease and desist letter. And they included five elements in particular. Those elements are green skin, flat top head, a scar on the forehead, bolts on the neck, which aren't actually bolts. Those are like electrodes. They Electricity travels through them. They're just easy points to connect to for electricity. And a protruding forehead. Those five things are what makes the universal Frankenstein unique. So now you know. If you don't do that. Really interesting, because a couple of those things I don't associate with him at all. Yeah, but they are unique to the Universal version and not from Mary Shelley's public domain work. Mm. But that's the problem, is there's a lot of... It's just like um, Sherlock Holmes and Superman for a little bit. Earlier stories of Sherlock Holmes are in the public domain, but not all of them. So you can use the character of Sherlock Holmes all you want. You just can't use certain traits of his that haven't yet fallen into public domain. Same thing happened to Superman before copyright law changed. It sort of accidentally fell into copyright, and anyone could do anything Superman, but it's like just the original version of Superman that could jump really high but couldn't fly and things (laughs) like that. So there is this sort of fuzzy line between the public domain Shelley Frankenstein and the universal monster Frankenstein. Interesting. And it's detailed by those five components. Interesting. But Fritz is a dick, like you say, probably because he was treated like an asshole his entire life. Now he he exerts some sort of power over Frankenstein, and so he fucks with them with fire, he fucks with them with a whip. Well, it's, yeah, okay, so what happens here, it's weird from the beginning. Frankenstein the monster walks in, and he sees light, and he reaches up for it. Oh, it's very, like, poetic. Yeah, and then the doctor closes the light. It's so weird. Uh-huh. Why? Why do that? It, is it just to be a dick? It's, it's prop. My guess is, scientifically speaking, you're limiting the number of stimuli that he has so you can control his environment and test certain things, get him to focus on you, not the... Oh, you're looking at that thing up there? It's in a completely emotionless response. Frankenstein, the monster, is like, oh my God, what is that beautiful light? Can I touch it? And it's like an emotional thing. 
Frankenstein the man is like, oh, that's distracting you. Hold on. Close that. I need you to focus. <laughs> you know, just totally doesn't even register that there's something like majestic happening here. Mm-hmm. And that is why it's a feminist piece. <laughs> but so then Fritz comes in with fire. And this totally happens on accident. Fritz comes in with fire and it scares the monster to shit, right? And the doctor seems to recognize that pretty quickly. Uh-huh. And tells Fritz, get away with the fire. And Fritz does not. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, he keeps pushing it into him, making the monster angry. Uh-huh. And then the monster is like starting to act out, which then causes the two doctors to have to tie him down. You're like, oh no, he's rage induced. We can't control him. But it's Fritz. But the doctor already recognized what yeah. was causing him to react that way. So why doesn't he just say, Fritz, get the fuck out the way or you're fucking fired? Uh huh. Why doesn't that happen? Why does nobody seem to notice this? It's very strange. And then they tie him up in a tower because they're like, well, what do we do with him now? And Fritz is like, I'm going to keep fucking with him. Yes. And he whips the guy for Uh no good reason. Just making him more angry. Well, people treat me monstrously because I am more monstrous than them. This thing is more monstrous than me so i need to treat it even more monstrously like that's the monstrism sort of like pipeline to kelsey's point so of course this freshly born being with too much strength decides fuck this guy i'm gonna kill him and like i don't know why anybody's surprised by that right just like in the new one it's just like Why is anyone surprised by the way he's behaving? Fritz fucked around and found out. Yeah. It's like with my students. My students are always like, what the fuck do you mean I'm in trouble? It's like, (laughs) what were you doing there, buddy? Right, yeah. Why are you surprised that because, like, you did this thing, Uh which you knew you shouldn't do, and now you're in trouble? Why does that surprise you? The idea of of punishment is just, like, personally offensive. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yes, Fritz gets killed. They walk in on him having been hanged. And apparently it's the same dummy from the gallows in the beginning of the movie. I don't see why it wouldn't be. Yeah, why not? It's a a hanging dummy. They have two hanging dummies. Why would they make two? Especially when you see it from so far away. And this whole time, Waldman is being like super helpful. It's not like he wants credit for anything. It's not like... He's trying to take anything from him. He's, like, trying to make the situation okay. He's a teacher. It's what we do. Yeah, right? There it is. So I wrote down, I love Waldman. He is so helpful. Now, remember that I wrote that down. But it's interesting that the doctor says Fritz always tormented him. Yeah, he hated Fritz. Fritz always tormented him. So, like, he knew... Yeah, and yeah well, care. I mean, at one point he does say to him, leave him alone, leave him alone. But, but like, there are no consequences there's for There's no Fritz. consequences. Yeah, uh-huh. And like... Uh, These are the consequences now. Yeah, exactly. And it's pissing, it pisses me off that he recognizes this and then allows his, his teacher to be like, uh, you need to kill it, it's a savage animal. Yep. Henry Frankenstein agrees. Yes. He's like, I have to, you know what, I've gone too far, this needs to end, I can't be here for this. 
Faldman, can you take care of this? I'm going back to my fiance. Uh, My experiments are done. I have failed. I let my ambitions get the better of me. I need to go marry my wife. I'm going to go home and marry my wife. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to go home and marry my wife. So they drug him. Yeah. But they don't kill him. It's like they were going to dissect him while he was still alive. I think that's what Waldman's intent was. And I don't think he realized that he didn't kill him. Oh. I think they were like, you know, going to put him to sleep. So just like in the new one. Yes, uh-huh. The exact same thing happens. Uh, he wakes up and kills the dude who was going to dissect him. So my previous note was, I love Waldman. He is so helpful. And my next note is, oh, no, Dr. Waldman. <laughs> <laughs> I do enjoy that when the doctor goes home to marry his wife, his dad does a toast. And his toast is, do you remember? Oh, to the young Frankenstein. Young yes. Frankenstein. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's so cute. That's where the title comes from. He's also a big dick to all the the villagers. Hey, free beer. And they're all like, yay. And then he's like, these fuckers yell free beer and they get excited. What a bunch of peasants. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Yes. And he, yeah, he won't give the help. He won't give the help the fancy wine, but he does give them champagne. Yeah, no, he One seems sip. he seems like a perfectly jovial, happy kind of guy. He just has these blind spots. <laughs> As the rich often do. Yeah. But so then, yeah, we get the terribly sad moment where the monster comes upon uh, Maria, yeah. a little girl who is throwing flowers into the water. And Classic. she's not perturbed by his appearance at all. Uh-huh. She just wants a friend. Yep. And that's all he wants. But in his childlike, idiotic innocence and his way too strong body, he is able to accidentally drown Maria. perfectly innocent in that she is showing him how to throw flowers into the lake and they float. And it's beautiful to him. And he sees flowers beautiful, little girl beautiful. I am out of flowers and have nothing to throw. I would like to see her float and that would be beautiful too. And he just tosses her in, unfortunately, against her objections, because he doesn't know how to process that. Mm -hmm. And she falls into the lake and doesn't come back up. Apparently, that took a lot of takes, because she would just fucking float. Well, they pretty much cut away as soon as she hits the water. And that was also cut out. Just, he would look at her and then cut to next scene. And we'd have to infer what happened by what comes later. So they were fine with us seeing that he had hung a man. Well, we don't see that. We just see a man who was hanged. True. Well, it's a very touching, sad scene. Oh, God, yeah. Uh And the father walking with his dead daughter is a pretty... Holy shit, that scene. Pretty heart-wrenching scene. Holy fuck, man. So this is happening while everyone's preparing for the big wedding. But it this bothers me. This man walks me. through the town carrying his dead, drowned daughter. But it bothers me that he has no way of knowing. Yeah. No idea of was... knowing what happened or anything. Yeah. I mean, does he even know about the monster? No. No, it makes zero sense. I think it's just the rage of a father who assumes something... He needs justice, and if it was an accident, there's no way to get justice. 
there needs to be somebody at fault and he needs to take out his rage on that somebody. He claims that his daughter was murdered and I'm just like, I don't know. It's the only it's the only possibility for him because if she wasn't murdered, he's going to have to deal with his sadness and have no outlet for it. Yeah. But because he says somebody murdered my daughter, they're like, it must have been the monster. Uh-huh. Who has now made his way to Frankenstein's place, Baron's Frankenstein's place. And it's so funny. They hear him. And Henry's like, oh, he's upstairs. And they go upstairs. And they hear him again. Like, oh, he's in the basement. And they go down to the basement. And he's neither. (laughs) But yeah, before he goes to leave for either of those places, Uh, he's like, I better keep my wife safe. Yes, and And lock her her in in this room. And it just happens to be that the monster was in there the whole time. And sees her and goes, pretty. Just like the little girl. And I don't know if it's the sort of thing where she was screaming and fighting against him, Maria, and he threw her into the water, ignoring her cries, and then she died. Is that maybe why this time, when Elizabeth starts screaming and crying when he approaches the pretty woman, and they come in, he's already gone. He's already booked it. I would assume so. Has he learned something here? Yes. I think he might feel a little bit of shame. Or just that... Her screaming and crying means, means I don't want bad this. Get away. Happen. Yeah, so he leaves. Mm-hmm. Like, he is capable of learning, and all the people that had any sort of power anywhere around him just completely failed in teaching him any of that. And then we blame the monster for that. Mm-hmm. It's like blaming a screaming child and not blaming the parent. Yep. It's almost like, it's almost like humans are the real monsters. Yeah, we suck. <laughs> I feel like I just came up with that. (laughs) But I love how the angry mob, like, goes to the hills, to the rivers, to the mountains. Like, they're in every single Uh possible, like, area. And this is something... Okay, so first of all, I missed this, but Elizabeth is like, something's wrong. I feel it. Where is Waldman? (laughs) They haven't even discovered that Waldman's dead yet because he just died that morning. But this is my pertinent note. I wrote, huh. Henry is searching with the mob, which is really interesting because as somebody who had never seen this movie before and went my whole life just absorbing through osmosis what Frankenstein is, I feel all the things like from young Frankenstein, from all the spinoffs and interpretations and, you know, those sorts of things that the mob shows up at Dr. Frankenstein's door demanding that the monster be killed just because his existence is an abomination. And he's like, no, but I've created life. He's an innocent. Like, that's the image that I have in my brain of this interaction. And no, it's Victor slash Henry. It's Henry Frankenstein picking up a torch and going, come on, guys, let's get the monster. Well, because he feels responsible now that a little girl no, has died uh, yeah. and the teacher has died. Totally, I get it. It's just, it's it's interesting that this is not at all what was in my brain. Well, I don't think that this happens in the book because I, I don't think he ever takes responsibility for what he has done, so. Yeah, and he, well, and, and the complete opposite happens. What's going to happen here is that the monster is going to die, then the sequels reveal other things happen, and the doctor lives in the actual story it's the reverse the Mm -hmm. doctor dies and the monster lives Mm -hmm. i'd like to point out here that the backdrop is so wrinkled yes it is like they didn't (laughs) even think to fucking steam that shit for their movie i guess they figured no one's gonna be able to tell anyway right yeah but it's really really bad Uh uh-huh they end up 
catching up after a big chase. They go every which way. Dogs bark. Henry goes in one direction. He finds the monster and then screams for help. And then the mob needs to find him. And I finally understood the ending of Edward Scissorhands. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. <laughs> is Edward Scissorhands just the end of this movie? The well, end I mean, of Edward Scissorhands is just the end of this movie. Edward Scissorhands is Frankenstein. I understand. <laughs> I just never, because I had never seen this. Right. Like, I didn't know. You just know vaguely that this is the Frankenstein story. Yeah, like, yeah, I know uh-huh. it's the story, but I didn't realize that he literally just stole the ending. Yeah, uh-huh. And then, you know, young Frankenstein does this sort of thing. And yeah, so there's lots of these sort of reimaginings that now it's interesting to see the specificity of their references, mm-hmm. you know. So they're like in this windmill, which if you've seen Edward Scissorhands, it looks like at the end when they're up in the attic uh-huh. of the mansion. There are some great shots here. The gears in the windmill, they're on either side and they're like circling around it and looking at each other through those gears. And the camera captures that, which is really interesting. Like I said, there's some great cinematography in this movie. Really interesting choices of where to put the camera and what gets framed. They end up setting it ablaze, which I I wrote earlier. I was like, why don't they just light him on fire at some point? Like, they all have fire, but they don't. They don't use it. <laughs> yeah, like the, I think they like are surrounding him, but and with fire, it's like why if you, if your whole thing is just to kill the guy, why not just light him on fire? Uh-huh. But they end up setting the windmill ablaze. I guess the audiences weren't ready to see a man put on fire, but if he just burns alive inside the building, that's different, right? Uh, Frankenstein, the man, gets tossed. From the edge, hits a blade of the windmill. But somehow survives the fall? Well, because he hits the blade, which means he didn't fall as far, and then the blade rotates down and he just sort of slides off into the ground. Those blades get really close to the ground. And the monster is trapped up there and the whole thing just goes up. Mm -hmm. And he dies that way, in quotes. But then there are plenty of sequels. Yes. And uh, Henry gets it on with his wife at the end of the movie. Yeah, and he was already gone by that point, so they had somebody else sitting in for him for that scene. That's why you see him from far away in another room, Ah. and he doesn't move or do anything. (laughs) Yeah, it's really, really weird final scene where the Baron is like, let's bring some wine to my son and his bride, and opens the door. The door is open, and then the bride... Elizabeth comes in and like sits on the bed next to him and they're all happy. And he's like, let's give them some privacy. (laughs) Meanwhile, he's just surrounded by these buxom maids and they laugh about how great and generous he is. (laughs) It's so weird. Yes. Yes. It's a really weird scene. It's a rich man's world. Uh (laughs) I think is the opposite of what Shelley was going for. So Kelsey, any other general comments about the movie? I like that it's complicated. I like that you don't just, you're not just like, oh, but he was such a good monster. Like, nah, he'd, he'd kill people. You know, he had reason to. Uh-huh. And I get that. And I like that, you know, that that means that he's not just a monster. I like that you're torn about how you feel about him. It's a fun, light, airy movie, which is weird because it's yeah. such dark, serious subject matter. Uh-huh. And that's probably the, the movie's biggest misstep. It does miss some of the key elements that I think Shelley wanted us to get from her novel. Uh-huh. Uh, but as a horror movie, if you just take out what you were supposed to have learned by the end of it, this is good. Yes, totally. Yeah, this is 
a very Hollywood interpretation of a novel that's saying something. And (laughs) then they take this and they twist it to say something a little bit different and miss some key elements. You're absolutely right. But it is iconic. And I feel like it's iconic for a reason. Do you know how many fucking horror movies were coming out around this time? Do you know how many movies freaking Boris Karloff was in (laughs) as a villain? (laughs) You know, like there's just tons and tons of horror movies coming out around this time. Just they don't have any substance except for a lot of these ones that we recognize as being like iconic. The universal, the dark universe of Frankenstein, the Wolfman, the creature from the Black Lagoon, which we haven't watched on the show, but we've watched before. Like those underwater shots are really compelling stuff. Mm-hmm. Like these are actually quality movies. And there's a reason why they persist to this day and a lot of these other movies nobody's ever even heard of. Mm-hmm. It's not just random. Agreed. Or just marketing. It's a quality film. It is. So what do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? I'm going to guess it's very high. I'm going to say 94. 100. There you go. Still unnerving to this day, Frankenstein adroitly explores the fine line between genius and madness and features Boris Karloff's legendary, frightening performance as the monster, a Metacritic, so average score, of 91. Frightening performance as the monster? I feel like they missed the point. He gives great looks. He does. When he's walking towards the camera, I can see why audiences back in the 30s would have been scared. But he's also really compelling. He's got a softness to him. He's got a sense of wonder, of beauty. He's like the fucking elephant man. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, a little bit, yes. From the new one, guys. I did not come up with that. Yeah, uh, somebody says that. And then proceeds to beat the guy. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that movie. There is a beauty, like I say, to him. And to just wrap it all up by saying, oh, man, Boris Karloff did a great job making him scary. I don't think that's Karloff's achievement here. Karloff's achievement is making him something you can feel compassion for. I think he did both. Yeah, totally. It's just weird to just, you know, write it all up as Karloff scary, you know. Anyway, overrated or underrated? I'm not going to give it a hundred. No. Because like I said, I think they missed some of the points. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's a huge issue for me as an English teacher. And there are things that take you out of the experience, like the wrinkly backdrop and yes. other such things. Yes. yes, absolutely. And just why is Fritz, why is no one being left? Fritz, get the fuck out. Yeah, I know, right? But hey, we created Fritz too. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I'm going to give it an 88. An 88. Not not enough to get into the 90s for you, huh? You missed some details. <laughs> I will go into the 90s. I just don't know where into the 90s. Low 90s. Do I go as high as 92? Do I dare? <laughs> I can do a 92. And our average will be 90. I think that's fair. I can't. I can't. You guys were like, we're just gonna ignore certain things. It's like, uh, that was really important to the story. So no. Yeah, I don't blame you. But that is the classic film in this double feature. The late night double feature. 
1931's Frankenstein, let's move on to 2015's Frankenstein. In case you're curious, this is not Victor Frankenstein, which also came out the same year and had a little bit more of the Hollywood glitz and glamour. This is a straight-to-video one with Carrie Ann Moss. It was written and directed by Bernard Rose, who directed the original Candyman. That's why Tony Todd. That's why Tony Todd is in this. Yes, based of course on the novel by Mary Shelley, starring Xavier Samuel, Carrie Ann Moss, Danny Houston, and Tony Todd. Like you say, Xavier Samuel is the guy from the Loved Ones. The guy from the Loved Ones, and he does a great job. Unfortunately, with what he's given. Yeah, with what he's given. He does a great job. And, of course, Trinity, you know, she's Trinity. She's Trinity. And we've all seen The Doctor before, too. Danny Houston. Like a good cast. Just not given a great script. I'm not a fan of this script. I mean, at first I am. (laughs) There are just really big parts of this movie that needed to be cut out. Well, let's talk about what it's about. What is this version of Frankenstein about? It's basically the same thing. It's just put into modern day. Elizabeth is also a scientist and helps with this. Yes. There is no, well, I guess there is kind of an Igor or a Fritz. There's an extra doctor there that sort of fills the role of that and Waldman. Yeah. But anyway, they create a man by 3D printing him and then they have to put him down. They think they've done that, but he hasn't he gets up and he gets out and then he wanders around it's basically frankenstein yeah but in the modern day what a twist yeah you can watch it with ads or subscriptions on services like peacock amc plus roku voodoo hoopla direct tv shutter spectrum on demand and imdb tv or you can rent it on apple google youtube and voodoo for four dollars or buy it on those same services for eight should people watch the modern 2015 version of Frankenstein. I'm going to say no, simply because it is it has just parts in it that are just so unnecessary. Like, there are things that I really like. There are really good moments. There's really good acting. Um, but there are just big parts that I'm just like, that did not need to be in this movie. Here's the thing. I was really, really liking the movie when it started. I was compelled by things that I could totally understand why people would think it's ridiculous, like with the bottle and all that stuff. He's basically a full-grown man, but he behaves like a baby. Well, that's what Frankenstein No, is. yeah, totally. I get it. But then he, like, grabs at the bottle and sucks on the bottle. And I can I can see why people would think that that's something to laugh at, why people might have that reaction. I didn't. I actually found a lot of the stuff early on in the movie very, very compelling. And then he breaks out, and it's just so fucking melodramatic and overwrought and absolutely ridiculous and oh my god are we really going there and just it loses all of its goodwill that it builds up at the very beginning and at first I was like well this is actually pretty good I'm actually kind of liking this and by the end of the movie I have to agree with Kelsey I don't think you should see it no it's not worth it Mm -mm. which is a big bummer to say because like I said I was really enjoying it at the beginning You can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 2015's Frankenstein. I discovered the formula for life. You'll be perfect. You'll be beautiful. He was never born. He does not exist. He is nothing but clay. We can all breathe life into him. 
was not what I intended. The cells didn't replicate correctly. Stop! Can't walk here. You knew in time. My name is Eddie. It seemed to me that you needed a friend. You're so sweet. Will you play sticks with me? You did some very bad things. Are you a man or are you an animal? No! Stop! He made you! He created you. You know, Kelsey, if we were to follow our Thir 13 and Ghosts rule here, it would be Frank 3 5 3 1. Because the E's are threes, the I is a one, and the S is a five. For some fucking reason, that's how they stylized this title. It's bad. It's really bad. It's bad. But can you get it started? How does Frankenstein begin? So we have this narration throughout the film, which reminded me of the book. So I wonder if that's the way oh, the, yeah. he, he speaks in the book. It's something we don't get from the classic is that there are three perspectives in the book, and one of those perspectives is the monster, and he is speaking fluently. Mm-hmm. And he does here. This is the end version of the monster, having fully evolved his speech, and so he's very poetic. Very eloquent. Yes. It is with considerable difficulty that I remember the original era of my being. All the events of that period appear confused and indistinct. A strange multiplicity of sensations seized me, and I saw, felt, heard, and smelt at the same time. And it was, indeed, a long time before I learned to distinguish between the operations of my various senses. And he is going to describe what the actor is showing us, but just put it into words, basically. Yeah. Because this monster, the biggest sentence he will say is, I am Adam. (sighs) Right? That's the biggest sentence he says? No. I have a note down here. Let me find it. Does he say more when he's with Tony Todd? No, after after Tony Todd exits the movie. I said he's going from zero to 60 with his speech. When he started his journey to mom, he was just putting two words together. Now he's streaking full sentences and complex thoughts. Was he? Yes. I don't remember that. But this, guys, I had no idea... This was the guy from The Loved Ones. Yeah. No clue. Well, he's masked up pretty heavily from The Loved Ones with all that hair and everything. Yes. And plus he gets fucking dirty in that. Well, he gets really dirty in this. (laughs) Yeah, I guess he does, doesn't he? And he doesn't really speak in both movies. Uh You would think I'd figure it out. But he looks different. He looks different. And I have to say... I think that's because of his acting. Oh, I think he does a great job in this. Mm-hmm. I really do. Danny Houston is all like, he's alive, because he's Victor Frankenstein. He gets his, he's alive, but it's not manic, it's joyful. He's alive! He's alive! <laughs> but it also terrifies the monster. So the monster is, like Chris said, pretty much an infant in a man's body, which uh-huh. honestly is what... The monster was before, he just didn't 
have the instincts of an of an infant, like mama, yeah. dada, uh-huh. and sucking on bottles and stuff. They at first try to give him water, but he can't handle that. He ends up doing milk, I guess. From a bottle, yeah. Mm-hmm. He only responds well to Trinity. He really doesn't respond all that well to Frankenstein. His Well, he's the detached father, mm-hmm. you know? But so they treat him as if he should just accept everything that's around him. And they don't appreciate the fact that this being has never dealt with different types of light. And this being has never had to deal with anything. Being fed, going to the bathroom, uh, people talking loudly, echoes. Like all these things that an infant wouldn't normally have to deal with because an infant would be treated very carefully and delicately. And they don't treat him that way. One of the interesting ways he frames it throughout the movie is as he explains how he's starting to understand things a little bit more when he gets out is that his brain does not yet understand how to parse the different senses that he has. So it doesn't know how to tell the difference between a scent and a sight, right? Like all these senses are just rushing to the brain and it doesn't know what to do with them yet. Uh, And it will figure out pretty quickly. It has that problem though. The movie does. It has that problem with his adaptive physical intelligence is fast. Like he will transfer from learning how to walk to learning how to run in a single moment. And I believe that he's understanding his body quickly. The whole point is, is that he's really quick to adapt. He is so observant that he learns how to use a elevator. That is where I wrote that down. I said, I don't believe he would know what an elevator was or that you control it with a button. Because that's that's learned intelligence. There is a difference between adaptive intelligence and learned intelligence. And that's learned intelligence. Just like with him, all of a sudden he has eloquent speech on a single journey. He walks from one place to the next. And by the time he gets there, he can complete full sentences. I, I believe that his brain is capable of doing that. But he has to learn it first. And I don't think... He learned it. Like, it's it's another one of those things where they fall prey, just like in life. Last time we talked about this was in life. Mm-hmm. There was a difference between this thing adapting quickly, which I believe, and learning things it had no possible way to learn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stop doing that, movies. <laughs> but so they are testing his reflexes, and they throw a ball, and he catches it on the first try, which is... Very impressive. But then he throws it with such force that it breaks Frankenstein's nose. Victor's, yes. So we're understanding, okay, he, just like in the original, he has all this strength that he does not know how to use. Yeah. And at first he laughs, because it's funny, because he's an infant. fucking love that. And then he feels bad when he sees that the guy is upset. Uh Uh-huh. But when he goes to hug him, he has too strong of a hug. And Frankenstein has to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Right? So you would think, maybe, just maybe, the first thing you would want to teach him is how to use his strength properly from this scene. But they don't. Nope. You would think, maybe he needs to learn how to throw properly so he doesn't hit things and break things. Maybe he needs to learn how to properly hug without crushing somebody. But they just don't do anything with that no at one point marcus who's the assistant who's the sort of half fritz half Waldman, is talking to victor and says that the replication is out of control and victor says so what just means he'll heal faster 
to me, my immediate response is, oh, that sounds like cancer. He's Deadpool, right? Like, that's going to be the thing. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Because completely separately, Danny Houston was Stryker from <laughs> uh, Wolverine Origins. Yes, he was. X-Men so Origins funny. Wolverine, who created Deadpool. And he's the one who sewed his mouth shut and created that bad version of Deadpool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so he has cancer. Like, he was just born and doesn't understand shit, and they put him inside an MRI. Like, yeah. adult people have panic attacks when yes. you put them into MRI machines. You know what's really, really fucking cool are those hospitals that make the whole MRI experience something good for children. They have dogs and stuff. Well, yeah, and they'll have, like, uh, they'll paint everything, including the expensive MRI equipment, to make sure that this is something that's a happy place for kids. It's one of the most beautiful things you have, you'll ever see. And they don't even fucking try any of that with this kid. No, they just stick him in. Uh-huh. Dom, 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 dom. And he's panicking, and they're like, whatever, he can deal with it. Yeah. It, <laughs> I mean, I understand they're trying to say that, like, science is not emotional, and that's the problem. Uh-huh. I understand that. But, like, fucking... <laughs> I taught Flowers for Algernon uh-huh. for enough years that, like, I, I don't believe that we have not understood this. Like, this is being right. put in our time. Doctors have been being told for decades this shit needs to be emotional as well. Uh-huh. Like, I don't believe that they're just like, do-do-do, don't understand any of that. Right. Totally. I don't either. I think these doctors would be the first people to try to say that this is actual life. It's a living creature with sentience. I think they would be the first ones to make that argument. I mean, just look at look at Morgan, right? They understood that she would have emotional needs and that they were trying to yes, understand that. Yeah, uh-huh. Right? But these doctors are like, nah. Then again, ex machina. That's, you know, that's what he does in ex machina. But he's like looked at as a villain. Whereas I don't think we're supposed to see these people as villains. Right. We're supposed to see them as imbeciles, basically. Yeah. uh So they recognize that, yes, he is, there's a lot of tumors, and they're taking over his body, and they're causing him pain, and Carrie Ann Moss, Elizabeth doesn't want to admit it, but Victor's like, we're gonna have to put him down. She's like, who are we to decide if he lives or whatever? And then Victor's like, who are we to force him to live through this pain? Yeah, because she... Her response is, this is murder. If you want to look at this as murder, then you should be looking at it as us ending his pain. It's euthanasia. It's not murder. But he says he was not born. He does not exist. And that's going to be important for what happens next. Yeah. Adam, as we'll just call him, is going to, like, he's going to hear all this. He's going (laughs) to sort of start to understand the words that are coming out of these people's mouth. Like, he even says, murder. Yeah, when he hears it, he's, like, mimicking it. Murder, I can't do it. I can't. Murder. Murder. He was never born. He does not exist. Look at him, Victor. Murder. And as they're, when they decide to finally do it, as they start to put him down... And they, you know, inject him with all these different things. It doesn't work very well. And he starts spasming. And he starts saying, Mama. 
Well, he was saying Mama and right. Dada already. But he does that during his spasms, and that really fucks with Carrie Ann Moss. Yeah, Trinity's like, I'm out. Uh-huh. And the uh, the other doctor, who is pretty much the Vaultman, or Fritz, yeah. he's like, go ahead and leave, I'll deal with this. And again, without making sure that he's dead or anything, he starts to cut open his skull. And so these are these are like, two, nah, dog. These are two different scenes because they do finally inject him with enough stuff to kill him. They think. And, yes. And then Marcus and an assistant are going to do an autopsy on him. And he takes this bone saw. Bone saw's ready. <laughs> and starts to cut into his skull. And as soon as he does, which we see happen, Frankenstein grabs him. And gets up. Adam does. And he's going to kill the assistant. And then with this bone saw spinning on the floor. Is going to pick it up. And do the same thing to Marcus. That he did to him. But it's like a curiosity. And so we see him like go to do it. And it cuts away. And then there's all this blood. And then it cuts back to Marcus. And then Adam puts his hand over the place. Where he made like a triangle. And then like moves the skin off. And it was let me tell you legitimately shocking it yeah it was hard to watch it was really really oh my god i shouted out loud oh (laughs) like that was very uncomfortable in like the best way oh my god it was yeah it's legitimately terrifying and also like the guy doesn't understand what he's doing. So, like, you can't be mad about right. it. And it's so terrifying. And he's playing with it. And the guy starts talking to him. Here's the problem. It goes from skin to brain. There's no skull. What the fuck? Like, they're treating the skin that's, that flops off as if the skull is underneath that skin. But then it wouldn't flop like that. So, it's it's a little weird. Maybe I just misinterpreted it. But that's a problem that a, a lot of these often have. Is that they, they don't think about... They All ignore the things how thick between, the skull is. Yeah. But the skull isn't very thick, is it? Oh, it's not too thick, but it exists. Like, it's just underneath your skin is your brain. Like, no, there's needs to be bone there, too. But yeah, he's like playing around with it, and this man is still able to talk. We don't know what he's feeling. We don't know what's happening. He starts to get a little poetic, too, because he's probably hallucinating at this point. Yeah, he says... Uh, <laughs> You're beautiful, you're magnificent, you have the strength of ten men. Yeah, like, well, that's a little on the nose. You're the future. Uh, and they both laugh. He laughs and the monster laughs. Uh-huh. And he's gonna escape through the elevator, and he's gonna run away from the armed guards, and this is where he's gonna go from stumbling to walking to running, all in one tracking shot. I was just, I was upset because he went from when, like we said, like when he's playing with the guy's brain, he's just kind of slapping at it. Uh-huh. To all of a sudden, now I can point with my specific finger at the specific well, number he, that I need to go no, to. No, I don't think that's what happens. I think he looks up and I think he slaps the button, which I'm fine with how his movement is. I, I'm not fine with him knowing, like, oh, that's where the button would even be. That elevators are even operated with buttons. What up and down is, where he would want to go. Any of those things. I don't know, maybe he saw them. Maybe I missed that he saw them going up in the elevator one day and he saw them press. Well, that no, he was in and... it with them. He's seen them do it. That's why I wrote, he's very observant. Okay. Well, maybe I'm fine with that, but that's not the only thing where they do this sort of like, he needs to learn something. He needs to have been taught something and he never is. He just knows it. When he runs away, I was like, uh, he's had like no sustenance. Like, no food. How is he not just collapsing? Well, because he is physiologically different. 
he can withstand a lot on very little. He gets shot, and he's fine. Like, immediately after I wrote that, he says, as he goes into the water, he's like, without food, I fell asleep. And I'm like, oh, uh-huh. yeah, okay, convenient, but yeah, sure. Now he falls asleep in the water, he wakes up deep in the woods, he learns to eat meat. So first he starts going after it's bugs. really bothered me. He goes after bugs. Earlier... The mom tried to feed him baby food. And he was like, that's gross. I would rather have milk. So now, and I get it, he's starving. I understand. But does, does he even know what that would is? What that is? He doesn't have to be taught what starving is. <laughs> anyway. But he ends up eating worms, like Chris said. And I'm like, he doesn't even react. He doesn't even act like it's gross. Yeah. He's just like, yum, yum, yum. Uh-huh. And I'm like... At the very least, even if he was forced to eat it out of starvation, based on what we saw with the baby food, he would be like, oh, God, this is disgusting, but I'm going to force it down. Yeah. But there's none of that. None of that. And then he learns how to eat eat meat, like I said, because he stumbles upon a dead deer, and there are maggots, and he goes to eat the maggots, and he gets the meat, too. And so he's like, oh, okay, I can eat living things now. And Chris, I get it. I get it. He... He is able to self-heal. Yes. So I get that maybe he, he could eat the raw meat and he wouldn't, wouldn't get kill sick. him. Yeah, uh-huh. But it wouldn't feel good. Right. He would feel sick. He would feel ill in some way. There are people who eat raw meat as like a thing. It's not healthy. But yes, an exposed the exposed guts of a deer that are crawling with maggots. Yeah, you would expect him to get sick. But again, we don't know his physiology. His physiology is different. He can deal with fucking anything. He can heal from anything, except that also means that he has cancer everywhere. So he is a monster. Like physically. Physically. Yes. Yeah. But he finds a dog who shows him love. Oh. You're going to really, really like this dog. And yes, they're going to kill it. Oh, I, I, I assume that's how he's going to meet his first person. But there's this perfectly beautiful dog just running around the woods with no owner. Which is a little weird. But, I mean, you know, wild dogs exist. Oh, uh, he also finds out about fire here. He finds a, a an old campfire. And there are embers there. And then he's like, oh, it's warm. And that's good. And then later on... He's going to get burned by something. He puts his hand in the fire because he doesn't understand. And then he feels pain uh-huh. and realizes that's not good for me. He learns. He says. Which he should have felt pain when he ate. Yeah, okay. Rotting meat <laughs> and realized that's not good for me. He said, how strange I thought. How strange I thought that the same cause should produce such opposite effects. And I wrote down G. I wonder if that's related to the theme of the movie in any way. So poetic, <laughs> yes. And then we see a little girl that Chris and I have seen in a lot of things. She is in The Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. She is in... I, Tanya. She was the young I, Tanya. Tanya. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was in uh, Handmaid's Tale. This girl is 15 right now, and she has been in... 59 different things. Good for you. This is uh, McKenna Grace. Good for you, McKenna Grace. Oh, she's in the new Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yes. Oh, she was in Malignant. Yeah. Which we just watched on on Halloween. Yes. She is not afraid of him, even though he is covered in blood. 
at this point. Oh, yeah, and he's all deformed and everything, and she's That's not, not even what I'm talking about. No. Like, he looks like he killed somebody. Right. He's covered in blood, and she's just like, hi, stranger, let's uh-huh. be friends. And basically exactly what happened before happens here, except that instead of throwing flowers, she throws sticks. Yep. Okay. <laughs> and so he decides to throw her in, and she drowns. Oh, no. Kind of. No, he saves her. So this thing, it happens. There's a series of events. It seems like he's in like a retirement community or something. (laughs) No, they're like camping. It's a camping area. Right, but it's like just a bunch of retirees at first. There's just a bunch of old people walking around. And then this little girl with zero supervision, he throws her in. She freaks out and he realizes something's wrong. So he jumps in after her and pulls her out. And then the cops show up, like, what's all the commotion? And people are like, we just saw that dude throw her into the water. What the fuck? And so... Which, if this were happening in reality, absolutely. 100%. You should be like, no, this is bad. Right, yeah. She was freaking out. He threw her in. Yes, he pulled her out, but who the fuck cares? Get this man away from her. And the cops are trying to do the same thing. The dog shows up and starts barking at the cops for threatening his best friend. And so the cop shoots the dog. And that's when the monster, Adam, is like, what the fuck just happened? Why isn't my best friend moving? Why did something violently explode from his brain? Remember what happened to Marcus? That just happened to my dog. And he's like registering all this at the same time. And he starts to get angry. What happened with the guys downstairs in the in the facility was sort of like self-defense. Yeah. And curiosity. He didn't really know what he was doing. He was just responding instinctually. This is he feels an emotion at this point. And it's not fear, it's anger. Mm-hmm. So I mean it's compelling stuff. And he ends up killing the guy. Yes. By destroying his face. Yeah, there are two cops that he kills, and then there is swiftly a mob on him who beat the shit out of him tie him up to a tractor and drag him behind it which okay he just killed two cops there's no way more cops are not on the way to find out what's going on right well they're at a campsite there's probably not a lot of cops everywhere and they didn't call in backup they were just that's the sound of the police what's going on here and so it's going to take time for them to be dragging there. this guy. And I'm like, what? Yeah. What? Once you've got the threat down, why would you bother doing that? Because it's because it's mob justice kills. People get really riled up and they go above and beyond what's necessary. It's around this point that the movie's just going to be bad. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. From here on out. If you were watching this movie while we're narrating it, stop watching now. Yes. This is where you stop. Because now it's going to become, the mom's going to show up when he's at the police station. and she's Because gonna he has her a, ID. And she's going to turn a blind eye, which is bullshit. The well, I, I believe that she would do that. We just don't get any insight into how devastated she was to have done that. And then she just doesn't follow up. She doesn't follow up. She just leaves and is like, no, fuck, it's their problem. And doesn't, like, try to connect with him in any way or anything. Fucking nothing. The that cops, I don't believe. Now that they have this person that has no 
history or whatever. Uh, and no identity. Apparently that means that they just get to beat the shit out of him and kill him. Well, they Even do- though one of the cops feels sorry for him. Yeah, that's the weird thing. Okay, so they're in the back of like an EMT uh, van or something. And this one bad actor cop is like, he killed another cop. Oh, my God. And then the other guy's like, yeah, but there's obviously something wrong with him, dude. Just calm down. We need to have compassion for things that live, right? Like, just don't, what are you, what are you getting all worked up about? No, that guy had a wife. And it's like, yes, no, I understand this guy shouldn't have died. But like, this is a human being. What are you going to do? You need to calm down. Then the very next thing that happens is that the two of them and the driver apparently are all like, all right, let's just beat the shit out of him and bury him and leave him for dead. Yeah. I'm sorry, what happened yeah. in the parts that we didn't see? Yeah. Where the fuck is the driver? Who's? Where's the explanation that they didn't show up where they were supposed to show up with a living human? Yeah. No explanation for any of that. Yeah. And then he just regenerates just like he did <laughs> uh, in the basement of the facility and, and he gets up. He's going to go make friends with Tony Todd, a homeless guy. Who's blind, yes. Who's blind. So he asks him, not- what's your name? And he's like, monster. What's your name? My name is Eddie. Eddie Child. Monster. Well, it's nice to meet you there, monster. I mean, it makes sense, but Jesus. <laughs> So then Tony Todd's going to take him under his wing and try to show him the quote-unquote finer things of life, which include smoking and alcohol, which I think, is that in the original story? I don't know. Because it's referenced a lot. That's fr- that's straight out of Young Frankenstein, you know? Right, like, where he finds the blind hermit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you know, and the idea is that a blind person could love someone who it looks like a monster because they don't see them for being a monster. They see them for who they truly are, which I think is one of the big things that Mary Shelley was trying to say. So I appreciate that that's here. But not only does he try to show him smoking and alcohol, he also tries to show him sex, which is where our monster is going to accidentally kill a hooker. Okay, so this this is Wanda. None by, of this needs to be in the movie. Played by Maya Erskine from Pen15, if yes. you recognized her. I also wrote down that, oh, he's a class philosopher now. You know us, we're a bunch of woke social justice warriors. Yeah, we get it. But, like, <laughs> what the fuck is this doing in the movie? Like, all of a sudden, like I get, I get the necessity of his homeless status, but now we have future Frankenstein, future Adam commenting on this moment where he's living on the street and about how, oh, the differences between classes and how money divides us. The strange system of human society was explained to me. I saw the division of property, of immense wealth and squalid poverty, of rank, descent, and noble blood. A man might be respected with only one of these advantages. But without either, he was considered as a vagabond and a slave, doomed to waste his powers for the profits of the chosen few. That's just a little too on the nose, and it appears only in this moment, and then never again. Maybe be a little bit more subtle, maybe, like, it's just too literal, it's just the once... It's, it's, uh, you know, I, it's that thing that movies do now. We have to be class philosophers. And it's like, no, you don't. Think about who this is coming from right now. Who is saying this to you right now? 
I'm the last person to tell you not to be aware of class struggles, but like, come on. <laughs> but yes, she takes him because Tony Todd's going to give her a hundred dollars. I guess that he has saved up to pay for this hotel room. And then she's like, no, you need to get washed up and it better not be all over your body. He takes a shower and then he comes out and it is all over his body and he doesn't have a penis. They didn't 3D print him a penis. I didn't know that we saw that he didn't have a penis. Yeah, there is like a tumor on the, on his leg, uh, sort of like on the inside of his left thigh where they sort of cocksocked him and he's like smooth down there like the Metatron from Dogma. I did not see that. Yeah. It's annoying because it's obvious to them down on the street that he doesn't know how babies are made. And then she's shocked because here's the conversation. It's like, whoa, when you were a baby and he's like, what are you talking about? The monster is. And she's like, don't you know how babies are made? And then that's that's their transition into the topic of sex. It's really bad. Were you born that way? Born? Yeah. You know, when you were a baby. Baby. You know, like, goo-goo mama, bitty-bitty baby shit. Yeah, yeah. Ma. Monster, do you know where babies come from? He doesn't know what babies are. And this is a really belabored transition to get them to go to the sex thing. It's a terrible Because you transition. should be more shocked that he doesn't even know what a baby is. Yeah. And you're like, no, I need to show you porn because that would be interesting and compelling for a movie. Yeah, exactly. Like, no, God, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, I was like, uh, why is she showing him porn? I'm so confused. It was like, and I get it. She's supposed to be a prostitute. She's supposed to be hardened. And this is how she sees life. But you're absolutely right. Like, she's not like, hmm, maybe you don't know anything about life. It's no, it's what? You don't know about sex? Like, right. Yeah, it's uh, it's really bad. But yes, he does accidentally kill her. Because he starts panicking when she starts getting disgusted. And then Todd comes in. Tony Todd comes in and is like, what did you do? Because he finds her. And then in order to get him to be quiet, he kills Tony Todd as well. And then that devastates him. Killed his only friend. Which is... But the good news is, is the prostitute was looking up where his mom lives through convoluted conversations. Because he had, he had the ID that has her name and she looked him up and is like, look, you haven't you ever looked for her? You could just look her up on Google. Okay, interesting. And then after he kills her, he looks to the phone where he saw the picture of his mom and the directions have already started. Or he, he like touches he the screen. He accidentally gets Google And it's like, oh, go left working. on, I'm like, you know what? It's clever that that's how they got him to find his mom. But it's really Fucking, like, the happenstance that would be required is insane. Also, he has to walk, like, several, several, several miles. I don't believe that that phone would last that yeah. long without a battery. There's a line here. I think it might be when he gets there or it might be when he gets stopped by the cops. Oh, he gets stopped by the cops because he's walking on the freeway. He ends up killing them. and he. But that's the cop that yeah, beat yeah, the shit out of him. Yeah, the same cop. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, you don't have the funny. balls. And it's like, no, he doesn't. <laughs> so, he, But he shoots him in the head. But a line here he gives, it's it's either around here on his journey. This is the journey to the mom where he suddenly learns how to talk in, in sentences. And he gets to Victor and Elizabeth. So it's either somewhere along this journey or when he talks to Victor and Elizabeth and actually confronts them. But he says, 
If I cannot inspire love, I will cause fear. The fallen angel becomes a malignant devil. Yet even that enemy of God and man had friends and associates in his desolation. Proceed to the root. I am alone. I will revenge my injuries. If I cannot inspire love, I will cause fear. Fucking really? That's where you're taking Frankenstein? Really? Well, that's what he does in the book. He gets so upset. He gets so mad at the way people treat him that I think he's like, fuck you, I will be a monster then. This is the thing. I, and if it is in the original book, I wouldn't like it there either. I, but I think he takes it to, he like, no, I think that's when he takes Elizabeth. Like, he puts her in danger, like, because he's so mad at the at his master or something, at his creator. What's, what's the reference I always make? I, I don't care if it's in the original. If it's in the original, I wouldn't like it either. <laughs> My point is, is that the response, the childish response, it is very, very childish. Well, to yeah, be like, is a you think I'm a monster? Then I'm going to be a monster. No, that's not my problem. My problem isn't that, oh, he is a child, that's how he would react. Or, you know what, I think I'd be angry enough to do that too. It's when these are always framed as like, yeah, you tell him, you be a monster. Like they're trying to elicit that response from the audience. And I'm sorry, I'm not down with that. I think that is a childish response. And it is not something that I think is worth cheering. And they always treat it like that. I always go back to gargoyles. <laughs> If they think we're beasts and monsters, then perhaps we better live up to the name. Well, let's get to the final scene here. I wrote down somewhere in here, this feels so long. It is only an hour and a half, and the original one was breezy as fuck. Yes. This one, like, it just would not end, and then I was in a position that Kelsey is normally in, of being like, how much longer is in this fucking movie? And I never do that. That should tell you something. So what happens next? So he gets there and he breaks in. He's very, very upset. And Trinity, surprisingly, because earlier in the film, she was just like, don't know him, don't care, and just left him there. Well, again, there's a reason legally she needs to not take responsibility for this matter or she'd be in a lot of trouble. But I don't believe that she wouldn't be fucking devastated. So she's just like, don't hurt him to her husband, because uh -huh. obviously he's like, we need to take this guy down. So Monster says, why? You said you didn't know me. I'm ugly. Like, that's uh -huh. why you must hate me. And she's just like, it's okay, Adam. I'm sorry. And he's like, Adam? And she's like, yes. Your name is your Adam. Name. Yeah. That's when the father, who, again, like, it's a very feminist thing, like, they kind of been saying that since the beginning. He only responds well to Trinity because men do not understand how to be delicate and they do not understand how to be compassionate with how children. How to be compassionate. Yeah, uh -huh. And he's just like, we're making you again. No big deal. Yeah, you're, you'd be excited about that, wouldn't you? You're totally expendable. We're just making another one. Uh -huh. You mean nothing. Like, so they're going to take him to the facility where they've already started printing a new body. And they definitely stole this from AI. Absolutely. When he oh, finds yeah. out that they're making more of him and he starts to destroy them, that's exactly what happens here. Yeah. I wrote down here a note, I know you're upset, but you're just going to leave him? Somewhere after he started talking in full sentences. But anyway. The monster's like, no, no, you're not going to remake me. And Frankenstein thinks it's, it's intelligent to say, this time you'll be beautiful. Yeah. And the monster's just like, you made 
me, ugly, like you did this. <laughs> I didn't do this to myself, you starts- piece of fucking shit. And he's just like, it was a mistake. I didn't mean to do it. You, your cells replicated too much. Too bad you're a vicious beast. Like, are you serious? You're going to say that to right. a guy you know has 10 men's strength. Yes. And in front of this body that you're 3D printing, yeah. that is just exposed to the open air. Yeah, there's no glass in front of it, nothing. I'd like, like 3D printers that you might have in your bedroom or your office or whatever because you want to print cool shit. Even those are enclosed. But I love his line here. It's a great line, but I don't believe it because my fucking students have trouble understanding this concept. Uh-huh. My kids who've been in school since they were kids, I understand that that doesn't mean a lot say, th- right. these days, but you get what I'm saying. He says, He's not me. Son, me. He Other. He is exactly like you. No. I am. I? He is other? Do you know how hard it is to get my kids to understand the concept of otherness? Of the other, yeah, uh uh-huh. It is very difficult. (laughs) But his brain is so advanced, Kelsey. It's a really good line. It's a very good line, and it is exactly what Shelley was going for. So I appreciate it here, but do I believe it? Right. No. No. And he asks, you know, what what am I made out of? And he explains he's just made out of clay. Basically. I think that's a metaphor. Yes. <laughs> but that's when he realized, oh, he's just clay? Then I can just destroy him. Interestingly, though... I wasn't thinking about this, but, you know, made him out of clay. It's a reference to the golem who is made out of clay. Oh, I thought it was a reference to God. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's this is all very religious anyway, right? But the original version of Frankenstein that Bela Lugosi dressed up as, was made up as for the sort of proof of concept on the set of Dracula, was more like golem like designed to be like a golem. So it's interesting that here we say that he's made out of clay. Hmm. But so after he's destroyed the creation, he's just like, I am, you made me, you hate me. And now I'm alone. Devastating. Yes. Very devastating. But he starts to attack Frankenstein and Frankenstein starts to hit back or something. Yeah. And so Elizabeth, Trinity is just like, she won't let him kill him. So he's going to chop off his head with a saw. And then when she grabs his arm, he swipes back with his hand that has the saw and slices her throat open. Yes. So Victor is going to be the one that kills Elizabeth. And that's when Adam will kill the monster, will kill Adam, (laughs) Dr. Frankenstein. Oh, you said the thing. I said the thing. You said the thing. But so, what do you remember what Adam decides to do with himself and his mother's body? I do, in fact, which made me question, okay, then who's he talking to this whole time? (laughs) He has a narration that's like conversational. He's telling somebody his story. My hope is that he wrote it all down right before he did this. Like, in the book, he's talking to the the fisherman or whatever he is, the sailor, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so... 
who is he talking to here? But what he's going to do is he's going to build a pyre, set it on fire, this thing that warms and, and burns or whatever, and he's going to burn both himself and Elizabeth and we're going to get this slow motion walk to the fire with the crescendoing music really fucking overwrought. Yeah, it's really, really bad. And he walks into the fire, and as he burns, he screams, I am Adam! Oh my god. My bigger problem with that moment was the fire itself looked really, really terrible. Yeah. I am Adam. I don't mind Fuck that. you, movie. I don't mind that. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> it's so overwrought. Just, oh my god. Like we're supposed to go, like we're supposed to be moved by this. You should be crying by now when you're watching that. Like, no, you lost me a long time ago. Do you remember when we saw the tumor growing out of his leg and he didn't have a penis? Well, now <laughs> we're supposed to be moved by I am Adam. <laughs> Get it? Because he's like the first man and like, yeah, just, oh God. And he has an identity that he is claiming. He's no longer monster. He's Adam. And he shouts to no one in particular that he is Adam. Come on. Seriously? I really didn't like it. I was super pissed. Because I really liked how this movie started. I was like, oh, I might actually enjoy this movie. I was excited for it. And then, I don't know. Maybe it should have been a short. <laughs> it just couldn't sustain there that momentum the whole movie. There were parts that they could have easily taken out. Yeah. Big, big parts. I would be willing, I think, to watch a full-length movie about a similar story. Like a modernized sort of Frankenstein. And it to, for, to be philosophical. But then they got the smothering of prostitutes and like, it's like, oh God. <laughs> class, class conscious narration that he's talking to nobody in particular. Just decide to beat and murder someone for yeah. no reason. Like I get, I get that that happens. I get that shit happens. Just uh, yeah. Movie. Not a fan. What do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? There are only 10 reviews, so it needs to be a multiple of 10. No Metacritic, no cinema score. It was straight to video, so. I'm going to guess it's pretty low. I'm going to say 40? 100. There are 10 reviews for this movie on Rotten Tomatoes, and every single one of them is positive. Wow. As a matter of fact, this is BuzzFeed's review, which is why I think I think the movie, it's playing a hand, and it's bluffing, and people are falling for that bluff. Because they're like, oh man, this really is profound and powerful. And when it's really super fucking simplistic and doesn't know how to handle its most profound moments, this is what BuzzFeed's review said. Rose, again, Bernard Rose, doesn't force his monster into a metaphor for anything. Semicolon. This is the same fucking sentence. He just brings the narrative into the present day. And allows it to resonate as one about the people who are shunted to society's outskirts and treated as less than human. He doesn't make the monster a metaphor for anything. The monster just represents... I'm sorry, what? That's what a metaphor is! <laughs> are you fucking serious? He just allows it to resonate as 
one about the people who are shunted in society. It's not a metaphor for anything. It just represents this. That's, oh my God, that's what a metaphor is. And you, so you fell for this movie's bluff because you are not smart enough to even know what a metaphor is. Like, yes, it's a very fucking heavy handed metaphor. The movie needs to stop its narrative, deaden its tracks so the narrator can SJW at you. And it's like, this was, it wasn't eloquently combined in any way. If it was just the stuff where he was living on the streets, I think it would do a much better job speaking to the class struggle here, speaking to the people who are on society's outskirts and who are treated as less than human. But no, the movie had to stop and tell you that's what it was doing. And it becomes less subtle as a result. And something lacking so much subtlety, this person is like, oh man, he doesn't even treat the monster as a metaphor. It just is. For a movie that lacks so much subtlety, for somebody to think that it's so subtle is baffling to me. Yeah, it's not subtle at all. At all. Again, messages I personally believe in. And I think that film is a particularly great platform to get your messages across. I just think this does it really poorly. We agree. So what would you give it, Kelsey? Obviously, 100 is overrated. Yeah. But I don't think it's a great representation of the general consensus because it's only 10 reviews. There's no Metacritic to tell us what the average review is. It's just... 10 people saw it and liked it. That's all it says. What would you give it? I'm going to give it a 50. Yeah? Because I think that there is a lot of good here. Unfortunately, it was swallowed up by all the bad. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there is a lot of good here. Like I said, so much that I was like looking forward to the movie like executing. There was a promise made at the beginning of the movie that they were going to execute on certain things. And then instead of landing on its feet, it falls flat on its face. And I think that's, that's 50, I think, is a great number for that. I would say, yes, 50. Perfect. Anything else to say about 2015's Frankenstein? I really think the main actor is a good actor. Yeah. I think he should do more stuff and maybe more roles where he talks. Oh, and the way he fights, I like, I understand that this is pre-upgrade but like he fights like an upgrade, almost like his his body's doing things that he doesn't know that it's doing. Which I think is poor direction. Like I like the stuff where it's like he's just moving around like a baby. He doesn't know how to control his arms. And then there are moments when he just starts kung fuing people and he it's like his brain doesn't know what it's doing. And it's like, <laughs> no, that's the opposite of what's supposed to happen. His brain start to understand more and make him capable of more. The parts where his brain doesn't know what he's doing, he should be moving baby-like. Not like an upgrade where literally his body is doing something that his brain is not controlling. Again, I know Upgrade came later. <laughs> anyway, that is our Frankenstein double feature. The late night double feature feature show. We will most certainly be coming back to the Frankenstein franchise. I hate to call it a franchise, but yes, there's plenty of stuff here, uh, including the Frankenstein from the 90s, which I really, really want to watch. But anyway, we will come back at some point in the future. What are we watching next week? It's another double feature. Woo, woo. We're going to do Ghostbusters next week. Yeah, because Ghostbusters Afterlife, which McKenna Grace is in. Yes. And who was in this, is coming out. So in honor of that, we're actually going to watch the original Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 
what was the subtitle they gave it? Like they tried to call it something like Ghostbusters answered the call or because, you know, who are you going to call? Get it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ghostbusters answer the call. <laughs> so stupid. There you go. The remake, which is effectively what it is from 2016. And then sometime in the future when Afterlife comes out, we can watch Ghostbusters 2 with that. But first, we're going to watch the original Ghostbusters and the attempted sort of uh, she-boot, I guess you would call it, uh, with completely swapped genders from 2016. That is next week. Until then, you can find us on our website, podcemetery.com, or on Twitter, at podcemetery, where we post a lot of extra stuff that you don't get in the episodes, so make sure you're following us there. Also, make sure you are subscribed in your podcatcher of choice and that you have rated and reviewed the show. A five-star written review is the best thing you can do for us there. Even bigger than that is sharing us with your friends, and even bigger than that is listening in the GD first place. Thank you all very, very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words? That's bad. That's very fucking bad. He's just resting, waiting for new life to come. There's a great explanation for affect versus effect, which I saw, which I absolutely loved. Like, well, what's the difference between affect and effect? When do you use them? Just put them in alphabetical order, A before E. And then it's fuck around, affect, find out, effect. (laughs) The action and the result. He's not me. I'm me. He is other, I am I.